Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radha McBerto. Will is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show today. We are going to have a great show for you today. I mean, it's a busy day. Uh, Biden just came on TV and he said, the war is over. The war is over. Are we not happy that the war is over, peeps? We are happy that the war is over and some uh, a, a president had the guts to go ahead and do that. And who is that president so far? President Biden, let's hope he continues with that mission of doing what we know needs to be done. Don't you think we should do that? I think we should. Anyhow, folks, let's go ahead and get busy here. Uh, let's see. Welcome aboard. E2247. Welcome. Bridge MCP. Welcome aboard. AVQ. Michael Rodnan. How are you doing today? Let's see who else I've got that I've missed. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver. Okay, let's see. Egberto from... from, from Michael Rodden, Egberto, 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 another day that I have too many to share. Please pick up and choose as you fit. I'll go with them fast because there's some good ones that you put in there. NATO allies are preparing for future without America's forever wars. How the U.S.-Afghanistan withdrawal echoed overseas. Got to ask as I don't know what's NATO doing in Afghanistan in the first place. NATO governments didn't have the capacity to stay in Afghanistan after the U.S. left. Privately, diplomats grumbled that they weren't fully consulted or raised doubts about U.S. plans. But once the U.S. made its decision, the decision was also made for approximately 7,000 non-American NATO forces on the ground. Of course, of course, of course. I understand. And I tell you what, you have to be careful how you say these things, right? Anyhow, second one. Even as the Afghan war ends, GOP attempts to add $25 billion to military budget. As the troops go home, now would be the time to cut the military budget. We were wise. We'd start bringing even more troops home from abroad. If we chose not to be world police, could cut the military budget in half. And guess what? And there would be, you know, they're talking about if we go ahead and spend all this infrastructure money that we won't have enough uh, workers out there so that it will create inflation, wage inflation, etc., etc., etc. As usual, they know not of what they speak. We have so many people that are working overseas. Hey, we could actually do that. And guess what? If we did that, if we went ahead and brought home people, there is a job market. We all know where the job market is, and that is exactly what would happen. Anyhow, continuing with the with what Michael brought in here, even as Afghan war ends, GOP attempts to... No, you, I read that already. Taliban agreed to allow safe passage to airport. U.S. says the Taliban has become the new de facto government in Afghanistan. The Taliban want to get all opposition to their rule out of the country. Why wouldn't the Taliban just let all these potential dissidents leave? Seems like a wise interest decision by the Taliban's leadership. They can't do that. That's brain drain. They're going to have to coerce people to work for them. That is the only solution the Taliban has to coerce people to work. Uh, five decades later, Medicare might cover dental care. Our nation should have done this from the start. You know, it's funny because they don't understand. Why do you need dental care as well? Well, if you can't masticate your food appropriately, your nutrition drops, your nutrition drops, your immune system goes to hell, your health goes to hell. I mean, these things are such simple things. But again, when you have an economic system that isn't driven by science, but it's driven by those people who went solely to business school without some sort of a scientific aptitude they received in high school or elsewhere, these are the types of policy you get, policies that really don't make much sense. Okay, free lunch doesn't spoil school children. The rich are most definitely the spoiled ones, most of them. Most of them never worked a hard day in their lives, yet they are okay with taking uh, way poor children's lunches. It's a shame that they do that, isn't it? All right, last one. Uh, whoa, Michael, how many did you have here? 
Uh, progressive members of Congress need to hold a line on the infrastructure bill. Agreed. Corporate America wants to decouple the infrastructure bill from the climate and budget bill. The best, change, the best chance to prevent that is for enough progressive lawmakers to pledge to vote against any infrastructure bill until the climate and budget bill passes. Agreed. 100%. Race to restore power continues in New Orleans. As dangerous heat sets in, New Orleans, you know what? It's not getting the kind of coverage that it really needs, unfortunately. New Orleans is a basket case right now, people. Uh, These power lines are down. I mean completely down. It's going to be, I don't know how these people come back. I don't know how they come back anytime soon. Uh, I tell you what, we lost power here uh, after Hurricane, uh, I don't remember the name of the hurricane, I lost power for uh, 14 days, 13 days, I think. I had a little 10, 10K generator that was run, running 13 days consecutively. And just when the power was about to come on, the generator gave out. I feel for what those folks are going to go through. Locked off camera shows devastating power of Hurricane Ida. Take 30 seconds to watch the eye of the storm passing through the docks. Winds go from 0 to 150 in less than a second. Terrifying, yes. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. E2247, welcome aboard. Let's see who else we got here. Uh, yep, Biden spoke. You watched it. Uh, let's see. There are still 100, 200 U.S. citizens stranded in Afghanistan. They'll get out somehow. Egberto, the new Taliban government wants China and other countries coming into their newly found nation. Without fear of getting kidnapped or killed, the brain drain is incoming. Uh, rather than outgoing, we'll see, we'll see. Yvette Avery Herod, afternoon, PDR Posse, welcome aboard. Hey, Egberto, that tuck shirt, I think you should get it. Uh, design and wear under jacket or no jacket. Oh, you want me to get the tuck shirt? I tell you what, you you know, since you're, since you're one of the experts here on the PDR Posse, you send me a link to that shirt where I can get that shirt, and I will go look for that shirt. And just to please you... My dear Bridge MCP, I'll wear that shirt, and if people don't tell me to get it to hell off, I may even keep it on. Yes, Bruce, Ida is very slow. Ida is, in fact, very slow. Small Paul Fleming checking in from ATL. The first video I want to show is the one that I didn't get to show yesterday, 3 minutes, 12 seconds, uh, a little under 3 minutes, actually, and it had to do with privilege in an airport. I probably got many of you to see this already. I don't know if many of you saw it. But here we go. Check this out. Tell me what you think. I ran across a story at uh, Daily Coast. It was titled, Mask Hold Misogynist Blind to His Own White Privilege Loses Mind at Miami Airport. I said, what is that all about? And then I went ahead and uh, looked at the Twitter feed. And it is astounding what occurred. Look at this. Running around, throwing punches, and you wonder, where is security? He, he attempts to hit the guard, and nobody is there to protect the guard. This is a lot of time that is occurring. This is what America, many in America have been led to do. He, look at what he's picking up the throat. Nobody's there. And you have to ask yourself this question. Why is it that some feel privileged that they can do these types of acts without any repercussion? 
you know, it's interesting because Mehdi Hassan wrote, let me be clear, there's no scenario in which someone who looked like me with my name, Mehdi Hassan, could get away with even six seconds of behavior like this at an airport, let alone 60 seconds. Where on earth are the police or security? Why wasn't this escalated up the road? I mean, and then when it was time to put this guy away, it was so gentle. Oh, he has a few mental problems. This is a guy who followed his girlfriend in the bathroom, got very, very animated, very violent, so they wouldn't let him on the flight. This is what we're talking about when we talk about different treatment by the criminal justice system, different treatment by the different systems in this, this, in this country. And then when somebody talks about, we don't want to teach critical race theory because it makes some people hurt. And you wonder why? And one wonders why? This is a classic example that we're talking about. These are the kinds of things that occur. Like I tell everybody, that I'm not even going to comment any further on that. That speaks for itself. But I, Yvette Avery Herod said, walked, in, walked the line in solidarity with Nabisco workers here in Georgia yesterday. And don't forget, folks, to pick that up at, uh, pick that article up that she puts there. Nabisco workers on strike in five states over pension outsourcing. I mean, we, they try all these financial shenanigans just to stiff the workers and maximize the profits for the few. Nabisco workers in five states are on strike over changes to work schedules and overtime being sought by the makers of Oreo, Ritz Quackers, Chips Ahoy, and other popular snack foods. The walkout began on August 10th at a beginning of bakery in Portland, Oregon, and has since swelled to about 1,000 workers in Aurora, Colorado, Richmond, Chicago, and as of Monday, a distribution center in Norcross, Georgia. And here we have one of our own, Yvette Avery Herod, stepping out as part of our posse to go ahead and do what she does best. And that is work hard for the workers of America. Thank you so kindly, Yvette Avery, for what you do. You know, if we didn't have people like you, I don't know. Anyhow, Michael Rodney says, that video looks like a toddler's tantrum. I know, I know. I know. Rose Williams, hi everyone. Uh, E2247, including Patas now 46. All right, let's go ahead now and talk. Oh, a kid died in Georgia, 13 years old, COVID. Sorry to hear, guys. Sorry to hear. I sorry to hear. Um, anyhow, uh, the next video that I want to show is about. It's a, it, 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 I just did this, and I had to go through some shenanigans to make sure that, I, you know, that, the, that the clips that I used was fair use. You always get into these copyright issues, and the great thing about YouTube now is it kind of helps you find the parts that, uh, that they definitely call you know, uh, you know, copyright issues. So I went ahead and fixed those. What I want to do is go ahead and play this video for you, and then we'll take it on the other side. Leslie Stahl did a piece on 60 Minutes. It was a repeat, but it's one that I watched then. But it took on a certain kind of urgency, especially with the infrastructure bill that we have, with many of the Republicans and conservative Democrats trying to deny Americans their ability 
to uh, get the right type of policies that they want. So I want you to listen to this because I'm going to be breaking up, breaking it up into several pieces. But I need you to listen to this to understand what we're talking about in this particular scenario and and corp- how how difficult, how dangerous, how our corporations are really nothing more than parasites. Check this out. Today, 75% of semiconductor manufacturing is in Asia. 25 years ago, the United States produced 37% of the world's semiconductor manufacturing in the U.S. Today, that number has declined to just 12%. Doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. And anybody who looks at supply chain says, that's a problem. A problem because relying on one region, especially one as unpredictable as Asia, is highly risky. Intel has been lobbying the U.S. government to help revive chip manufacturing at home. Within I have a question. Capitalism is defined as the efficient use of resources. In other words, let the market dictate the efficient use of resources in which one would think the risk of keeping everything overseas would make ensure that the kind of problems we have with chips right now is exactly that, a problem where it now affects businesses more than if they had had some of their manufacturing over here, right? But no, they decided to let go ahead and allow the, these other countries to build these semiconductors because it is so much cheaper to do there and we want to maximize our profits for our investors, for our executives. Not the people who design and make the chips, not the intellect of the people who created everything. So now, what is the next place that they go to? Oh, let's go and let's think a little bit about socialism. Socialism is... The key now, we need the government. We need the government. We don't want them to give people welfare, but we need them now. Check this out. Subsidies and or tax breaks, the way the governments of Taiwan, Singapore, and Israel have done. The White House is responding, proposing $50 billion for the semiconductor industry in the U.S. as part of President Biden's infrastructure plan. Your business is extremely lucrative. In terms of revenue, you made $78 billion last year year. Why should the government come in to a company, a business that's doing so well overall? This is a big critical industry and we want more of it on American soil. The jobs. Okay, he said the reason why we want government subsidies is we want more of this on American soil. It is a critical industry. If capitalism is real, if the market has some sort of inferred intelligence shouldn't the market realize that we better not keep everything over there and since we don't want government involved in anything shouldn't we have our investors invest in making sure that for a delta amount of cost on our products and for the safety and continuity of our economic system we're going to manufacture not only here in the united states but since he said it's a critical industry, we manufacture all over the world. If a hurricane comes in Texas, we can still go to the manufacturing in California. If a fire or earthquake hits California, we can actually go into North Carolina. That is what it's all about. If you're going to have the efficient allocation of resources to ensure that you have continuity in business. But no, in as much as they made $78 billion of which they don't want to pay taxes on, 
and but they want to use our tax dollars to subsidize them to make more profits in America for whom again their investors America do you do you start to understand those of us who want to spend on people on the masses as opposed to giving away our wealth to these chumps why we do it, why we feel it, why we support that. Check this out. We want in America the control of our long-term technology future and, as we've also said, the disruptions in the supply chain. You have spent much more in stock buybacks than you have in research and development. A lot more. We will not be anywhere near as focused on buybacks going forward as we have in the past. And that's been reviewed as part of my coming into the company, agreed upon with the board of directors. Why shouldn't private... Now, again, here, they made a lot of money, and instead of investing that money in building more factories in the United States... They gave the money back to the investors as buybacks. You may say, but they didn't give the money back. They bought back stock. In buying back stock, they inflated the value of the stock. So those who own the stock, they get that much wealthier. Whose wealth again? Your wealth. Your technology. The invention that you paid for in college to create the people who had the know-withal to create the technology that they are profiting on from the taxpayers' original monies in high schools and colleges and universities that created the intellect to create those products? Guess what? They get the spoils. They are, oh, but we're not going to do any more buybacks. I'm so sorry. And that's why they got me to run the company now. Well, we are so sorry. We took all that money and we're not going to have buybacks anymore. Well, let's not talk about having buybacks anymore. Let's not talk about having the United States government, we the people, our tax dollars, subsidize you anymore. Why not instead take back that money that you gave them and invest in your own darn factories? Isn't that what's more apropos? Is, doesn't that make more sense? Isn't that more fair? Especially since you folk who are always begging the government to be socialists for corporations or always complaining if we try to give a subsidy, if we try to give a give back, if we try to give any kind of funding to the people in general. Why then should we want to give you money when all the profits from said creation is going to go right back to the same people you gave those stock options to? Folks, we have to understand the lingo and a lot, this doesn't make a lot of big news all over. You won't see on ABC, CBS, NBC. She did that great. Leslie Stahl did a marvelous job on that. But it's one hour. One hour. And then we go ahead and we continue to lie to the American people as far as, oh, this corporation needs this so that we can build these things over here. Aren't we a capitalist society where you take the risk and do that yourself instead of begging for socialism from the government? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? Industry fund this instead of the government. The industries that rely on these chips, Apple, Microsoft, the companies that are rolling in money. Well, they're pretty happy to buy from uh, some of the Asian suppliers. Actually, they don't always have... Again, check this out. 
Why don't you let all those people who need these supply buy from you guys and you do all of that stuff in America? Because, again, the capitalist system cares nothing about humanity. It cares nothing about country. It cares nothing about all of us. It says, wait a minute. We can build it over there for a lot less than we could here. And Intel says, well, we're not going to design for doing it here since uh, you're going to buy over there since it's a lot cheaper. So we just ain't going to do anything. And what's the result of that? The result of that is something that we all could see, those of us who don't live and live the fallacy that is the capitalist structure. They're ahead of you on the manufacturing side. Now check this out. Isn't that how capitalism works? Somebody else picked up something else. They've got better at it, faster at it. Now you lost. They won. Now let me be clear here. I want chips made in America. But what Intel does, you know what? Let's listen. Let's listen. But wait a minute. Did all of this innovation start here in America with Intel? Yes, it did. But it's not only that it started with Intel. It started with you, the American people, the American taxpayer, the American investor who invested in the universities and the colleges and the, the, and the atmosphere that created the ability for Steve Jobs, for Bill Gates, and all these other innovators that started something, not built it on their own, but it created the environment, it created the intellect, it created the intelligence. You paid for it. All of us paid for it. That generated Intel here in America. And then the few people that monopolized on that intellect that we created, what did they do with it? They went ahead and said, okay, we created great products now. We're going to build them, not for Americans who invested in us to build them, but we're going to go to some other country and we're going to get them to build it with slave labor or for cheap. Understand the system. Let's continue because if we don't, we are liable to repeat the same mistakes over and over again considerably ahead of you. We believe it's going to take us a couple of years and we will be caught up. Delzinger is making big bets, breaking ground on two new giant fabs in Arizona, costing $20 billion, Intel's largest investment ever. And now do you see the incestuous relationship? Oh, Intel can't even build it anymore. So we go to this other company to build it. But we want American dollars so that Instead of us investing, when we want to build it for cheap, we pay them to build it for cheap. But if we want to build it in America, let's let socialism work. Let's allow the United States to pay for it. But I want you to listen to this because after Intel went ahead and invested $20 billion, they should have invested more, right? They invested $20 billion supposedly to catch up to this company, this Taiwanese company. They're going to spend $20 billion. They didn't go and get the money from their investors who have made billions off of them. What did this Taiwanese company do again? What did they do again? Spending $20 billion on two new fabs. TSMC announced it would spend $100 billion over three years on R&D, upgrades, and a new fab in Phoenix, Arizona, Intel's backyard, where the Taiwanese company will produce the chips Apple needs, but the Americans can't make. How and why did Intel fall behind? It is a surprising for us, too. 
We spoke remotely with TSMC Chairman Mark Liu at the company headquarters in Shinshu, Taiwan. Should Americans be concerned that most chips are being manufactured in Asia today? I understand their concern, first of all, but this is not about Asia or not Asia. I mean, the shortage will happen no matter where the production is located because it's due to the COVID. But um, Pat Gelsinger at Intel talks about a need to rebalance the supply chain issue because so much, so many of the chips in the world now are made in Asia. I think U.S. ought to pursue to run faster, to invest in R&D, to produce more PhD, master, bachelor students to get into this manufacturing field. Instead of uh, uh, trying to move the supply chain, which is very costly and really not produ- non-productive, that will slow down the innovation. That is so classic. I mean, that CEO of the Taiwanese company pretty much says, look, let me tell you, we understand that the Americans are the fools. So no, we don't want you worrying about where you're going to build these things. You worry about innovation. You worry about innovation. And then we'll build it. Let's talk about innovation, you see. When I designed a product called ComDRV, it was innovated. Well, I mean, you, you keep improving the product. But the major innovation occurs once. And then you replicate and you replicate and you replicate. So you keep making money and money and money on that which was invented. It's like the person who figured out how to make gasoline, right? They make the gasoline and from then on, gasoline is a commodity and it's just a cash cow. It's invented, we know how to make it and we keep making it and making it and making it. And who reaps the rewards? The person who is making and making and making the gasoline and that person who owns the patent for the 17 years or however long you get to hold on to that patent to keep making and making and making. So the Taiwanese company knows already that we are, we the American people, don't look into these things. Don't, the American capitalists, they know it, but they do is they make the chips, they get it made overseas, and then they resell it and they reap the profit off of the delta amount of, de- of money over what they buy it from, from the Taiwanese company to resell in the United States or to put into their products. So the capitalists make money, the Taiwanese companies make money, and Americans are left holding the bag. That is the type of economic system that we have. And this great piece by Leslie Stahl with this one company, just Intel alone, is something that is happening company after company, oil company, semiconductor company, drug company, all these companies, we are the ones who create. We are the ones who pay for things. When these guys have a dip, they come to us, socialism, we the people, to solve their problems. But when it is time to pay taxes or give, a gift, a, give child care, give care to employees who are out of a job, give food stamps, give all these things that people need because of, of generally disruptions created by their mal direction of the economy they don't want to do but as soon as they get into trouble just like when we had the crash in 2008 hey government socialism please could you please keep us solvent we should have nationalized the banks then 
when the oil come when the car companies come for money please take us out of this problem we should have nationalized those everything that we the people pay for we should have nationalized because they can say well the private sector works more efficiently that's false the private sector's efficiency comes from what they want to skim off for the investor it's what they want to skim off for the capitalist that's what it's all about but until we understand the truth the reality and on how the system works we will continue to fall for the lies they tell us and we will continue to vote against our interests and when they tell us oh that person wants to tax and spend we're likely to believe it when they tell us you don't we why are we going to spend all that 3.5 trillion dollars on infrastructure when we can't afford it but we can afford 50 billion dollars for one of hundreds of thousands of companies america please please share all these programs let's wake up and understand how the system really works it is a fraud it is a complete fraud on all of us who've actually created the intellect and all the wherewithal in this country and you know uh, uh, you know sometimes i pull my hair oh i don't have any hair but you get what i'm saying it is so important for us to understand these things oh it's that time again thank you again bridge mcp thank you again bridge mcp folks if you are on youtube please support our channel i ask you so kindly please support our channel by clicking that join button and becoming a part of our pdr posse we could not do this at all without you we could not inform without you we could not do the research we need to do without you we could not write all these books without whoops whoops oh my god i almost threw it down and we couldn't do all these books without you and i'm i'm, I'm on the fifth book right now but folks please go ahead and click the join button and become a part of our pdr posse alternatively please feel free to go to politicsdoneright.com/support politicsdoneright.com/support that has a lot of the different options that you can follow to support us today i'm going to put them in the feed uh you can become a patron i need 1000 patrons i only have about 130 patrons or so but i need i need 1000 uh so that we can really start doing the things that we need to do uh also uh, on youtube to become a part of the pdr posse on youtube I need to get a thousand of those. I just place that politicsandright.com/slash/youtube, and of course you can provide us with whatever support you want. Subscribe, whatever you want to do, because remember, our model is different than TV. TV says we are going to give you all these ads, and we are going to make sure not to get the ad companies pissed off. So we can't tell you the complete truth. Over here, we just tell the truth, and we ask you instead of. me putting on a whole bunch of ads you go ahead and say hey berto i like what you're doing and i want this message to go to all over the place you help us become a member click on uh click on that join button if you're on on youtube or you can give us a super chat whatever you want or again go to politicsandright.com/support to support us that gives you all the different forms of support politicsandright.com/patreon uh p a t r e o n politicsandright.com/patreon or politicsandright.com/paypal you can get all of our books you can even get it as a combination they are now selling it as a combination at pay at, at uh, 
Amazon, and of course, I sell it as a combination at my store. But you can go to politicsandright.com slash books, politicsandright.com slash books, or you can also go to politicsandright.com slash store to get everything, or T-shirts, all that good stuff, the mug. Thank you for reminding me about the mug, Bridge MCP. The mug, the mug, the mug. Check out your screen. That is Roberto Lewis with the mug. He bought every single one. And there is our Bridge MCP with one of our mugs. And so please don't forget to go ahead and, and, and support us in however fashion you can. By the way, on YouTube as well, you can purchase it on YouTube. There's a, there's a rack on YouTube that you can also purchase or T-shirts or, or our hoodies, our sweaters. You know, winter's coming. We have some good sweats out there as well. All that good stuff is out there for you. So please, 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 please support the program. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. Norman Reynolds, welcome aboard. Just seeing you, my brother. Who else is here that, that I haven't saluted yet? Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Anybody else that I didn't salute? Drop May Wood, welcome aboard, sir. Uh, and I tell you, Gwen Cooley Christie says, oh, that was a reply. Uh, let's see who else that I missed. If I missed you, just drop me another message. I like to call out everybody. Rose William, welcome aboard. Uh, who else am I missing? Who else am I missing? Who else am I missing? I have another video to show. Uh, so let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and do that. I think I saluted Bruce Pollard already. But anyhow, folks. Before I go into that video, um, I spent a lot of time doing the uh, Intel version of the video because I, I kept having to cut some pieces out because YouTube would flag it. I, I run the video through YouTube to make sure I flag any type of... Uh, welcome aboard, Lawrence Sims, so I can flag any copyright issues that the originator of, you know... I. As as a as a broadcaster, what we do is we we use something called um, what is it called uh, uh, fair use. So people, I don't bother with fair use. Anybody who wants my stuff usually just go ahead and take it up, and they cut pieces and put it in their stuff. I don't mind. But people like HBO and uh, HBO and CBS and all of them, you have to be careful how you use your stuff. And luckily, what's going on with YouTube now is they have filters that they can go through. And CBS would give them their matches, and they would automatically find a match. That way you don't get a channel strike and all that good stuff. And I run it through earlier because I don't want to get a, uh, a strike, not a strike, but a, a flag while I'm actually live on air. So I make sure to do that otherwise. Thank you for having been here, Maywood. We'll got, we'll got to go. Need some bike parts. Go get your bike parts and take a picture with your bike. Let us put it out there, Brother Woods. All right. Anyhow, folks, so... I spent a lot of time doing the uh, Intel video because I really wanted to get that message across. Um, it is hard to go against what we've been taught all the while, right? Uh, they, they so make us feel like we are beggars when the average American citizen is saying, I want child care. I want all these different programs that allow me to be a better worker, a more effective worker. They all want to, uh, to, to, to do that, right? To make it look like you're a beggar, to make it look like you are somehow beneath. But when the corporations run into trouble of their own making, like Intel, Intel was the one that gave away all their profits to the shareholders and the executives 
as these other companies overseas were getting ahead in technology. Intel did that to themselves. And now Intel allowed, again, all the outsourcing to go ahead. And now they're, they're complaining, oh my God, Apple and all these guys are going outsourcing to, to these Taiwanese companies. Government, please do what they do overseas and invest in us. Well, you know why I don't mind a Taiwanese government investing in a Taiwanese company or a Taiwanese government or a Japanese? Or Here's the reason why. These, com- these countries have universal health care. They do. So we want them to keep their businesses propped up so that, you know, eh, people can be employed. They have universal health care. They do. So let's be very, very clear. Brian Miner, welcome aboard, as well as Carl Foster, welcome aboard. But anyhow, uh, Biden, uh, by the way, uh, uh, Carl Foster, Biden did a very, I'm not a super Biden fan, I like him, but not like a super fan because I think he's still a bit too neoliberal for me, but I am only applauding him for the entire mission in Afghanistan. I'm applauding him for even the part of the mission that you guys think went so badly with all those thousands of people outside the gates. Evidently, not many people understand what it looks like when a country that you think is your savior is leaving. That's what you get. Anyhow, let's go to the last video of the day. Uh, It's about Afghanistan, of course. I must admit to being very upset at both Congressman uh, Peter Meijer and Congressman Seth Moulton. Why? They, during this evacuation in uh, Afghanistan, two Congress people going out there, wasting these guys' time, and that was my opinion, to just go out there and, and see for themselves. I thought it was a publicity stunt. And I thought they were going to go there and attempt to really go on a attack the administration for ending a war. I, I kind of looked at it as them being pawns of the defense industrial complex. Of course, I didn't do any research to see who gives them money, etc., etc., etc. But upon their return, I think I've had to eat some of my words in that I think in as much as they didn't come back to defend the greatness of um, of. of Biden leaving Afghanistan, which nobody, nobody is doing. Of course, we want him to leave Afghanistan. We are happy that we left Afghanistan. Uh, they did say that they think it could have been done differently. I beg to differ based on how wars work. And whether this had happened in May or whether this happened in October, there was going to be a rush on whatever airport, Bagram or the main airport. Because I tell you what, what they don't tell you. Bagram would have meant getting people a far distance from Afghanistan, from Kabul to get them there and all kinds of things happen on the way there as well. So, I mean, everybody wants to be the quarterback after the fact. But that said, their response, I think, uh, when they came back, because of who they are, two uh, previous officers, and because... The rhetoric that they came back with didn't seem uh, a defense of Biden or an aggressive attack on Biden. It simply said, under these situations, we just couldn't see any other options. I want you to take a look at this, and then we'll take it on the other side.
Congressman Seth Moulton of Massachusetts and Peter Meyer of Michigan, both Iraq war veterans, have been sharply criticized since their return by the administration, the Pentagon, and their own colleagues in Congress for their unannounced trip to Kabul last Tuesday. They say it was an attempt to get answers that they're not getting from the Biden administration. And they came back with a much different view of things, they say. Congressman Democrat Seth Moulton and Republican Peter Meyer uh, join us uh, now. Uh, before we get to what you saw and learned, uh, Congressman Moulton, let me start with you. Congressman Moulton, 11 of the 13 Americans killed in Thursday's attack were Marines. You're a retired Marine captain. Uh, President Biden's defenders, uh, as you heard Jake Sullivan earlier in the show, uh, they say this exit was always going to be chaotic. There was always going to be the risk of loss of life, including American lives. And do you agree? And how much of what happened Thursday do you think is planning as, a, as opposed to just trying to get out of a war? Congressman Meyer, uh, you and Congressman Moulton both went to Kabul thinking that the August 31st deadline needs to be extended. Um, but what you saw there changed your mind. Why? What changed your mind? We realized that we did not have that leverage. We were wholly dependent on the cooperation of the Taliban. It's a position we should have never been in. It's an absurd scenario. It's an upside-down world that is not lost on any of the folks on the ground. Uh, but just the fact of how vulnerable our forces were, not only uh, ISIS and Khorasan, as we saw with the attack on Abiy Gate on Thursday, but just the way in which we had to work with the Taliban just meters apart from one another, we did not have an option. If it came down to an urban conflict, urban combat scenario, you are talking about a multiplied casualty count. You are talking about grave civilian harm. And you're also talking about the fact that we would not be able to get our Afghan allies and American citizens who are trapped in Afghanistan. We wouldn't even be able to get them into the airport. So we are not in a good scenario, bad scenario. This is the least worst of the options that are before us. But we should have never been in this position in the first place. Uh, Congressman Meyer, I'll start with you. Was the war in Afghanistan worth it, worth the cost, the American lives, the Afghan lives, the $2 trillion? Was it worth it? I think it's impossible to sit here today and, and say yes, knowing what we know, knowing what we saw. I mean, we've seen some of the best of the American people, especially in the last two weeks, some of the best of our troops on the ground and the heroic way they're carrying out this mission. But we've also seen some of American leadership. And if you draw this over the past two decades, at any one year, you could say, what is our mission there? And you'd get a different answer from the other 19. I mean, we should have never, there needs to be unsparing accountability. We should have never put our American men and women in this position. And we need to realign our strategic and operational priorities to ensure that it never happens again. This is a failure upon failure. Congressman Moulton? I mean, Peter's right. It's failure upon failure. And the one way I could only imagine this going worse is if it had happened under Trump with the May 1st deadline even earlier. And he probably wouldn't have had any effort to evacuate our allies because he's so anti-immigrant. Anti I mean, there was no airlift after he retreated from, from Syria. But the point is that this has been the failure of multiple administrations. But let's not forget in all of this uh, what this says about us as a people. Uh, one thing that Peter and I are so committed to is telling the story of those brave Americans not only servicemen and women, but consular officials at the gates, at Abbey Gate, literally saving thousands of lives. That represents the absolute best of America. And that's a story that every, everybody in the world and every single American needs to hear. And I tell you, you, did you hear that unfortunate truth? 
The unfortunate truth that, yes, the Afghanistan war was not worth it. Yes, August 31st was likely the best time for us to leave, given the current circumstances. Yes, maybe things could have been done better, but as I said before, that is very unlikely for any, any occupier that is leaving. To put it bluntly, the fact that they got out of Afghanistan without any major... Look, the 13 heroes that perished, Supreme Being blessed them. Uh, it, it, it hurts every time I, I, I think about it because I remember uh, that statement that Kerry said in Congress several decades ago. Something about the last to die for a war that shouldn't have been. And that's how I feel about those 13. But unfortunately, that is exactly what it took to save thousands of lives, thousands of American lives, thousands of Afghans' lives. Meyer and Moulton, uh, apologies, but you did a great job. I hope you guys realize that E2247 says, full-throated discussion of 17 U.S. intel agencies releasing their reports on whether SARS-CoV-2 began in while or in lab escaped detail all four circumstantial evidences for each scenario. All right, let's see. John Kerry, how do you ask? Here is it from Rudnan. John Kerry said, how do you ask a man to be the last man to die for a mistake? Vietnam Veterans Against the War Testimony, 1971. I remember that quote. I was too young to understand what was going on, but um, I remember that quote being used from, from when I was in high school or actually elementary school, college. You know, we had to get both Panamanian and American history, and that made it all over. Okay, uh, let's see. Serious investigation. Eric Hayes says, yes. The Taliban has fortified by the Biden administration 75K vehicles, 200 aircraft, 600,000 weapons. And again, uh, you know, there are three Pinochkios that was given to that, right? Like I told you many times, Eric Hayes, you need to watch your sources of information and give them context. That is how much has been given to the Taliban, not the Taliban, but that's what was given to the supporting forces of uh, of Afghanistan, the Afghanistan uh, government, that they couldn't use it. It got turned over to, I'm telling you whom. So don't sit down there and say, oh, uh, that somehow Biden gave that to the Taliban. It's not true. It's a lie. It makes you feel good to be able to attack somebody that you think is of a different party instead of being objective, but it actually does a little bit negatively for your, for your credibility or objectivity. If you listen to politics done right, I'm an equal opportunity offender of Democrats, Republicans, anarchists, and everybody else who does anything against, anything against humanity. That's my position. So if, if Democrats do something against humanity, I am against it. If Republicans do, I'm against it. It so happened right now that Republicans, the Republican politicians are a clear and present danger to America. They're the ones that are getting Americans killed by putting out messages that, in, that infer to them all the things that are negative to humanity. 
And that's a fact. A provable fact based on death counts. And it's not only about vaccines. It's about health care. It's about a whole lot of things. Republican politicians have led its pew to turn them into murderers. I'm just, it's just how it is. You can debate it, but we can put a mathematical formula onto it and prove it. It's that simple. Doesn't require a lot. All right, let's see what else we have here. Um, what else we got here? Michael Rennan says, are any of those weapons capable of striking across borders? We only need to care about long-range weapons unless if we're planning on going back in so our troops can get shot again. You know, I, the piece that I did yesterday covered all of that. In other words, I even gave the geography yesterday. Because, uh, you know, uh, when, when we were in school, right, back in Panama, we had to learn where every country is. And for countries that make up a big part of the world, if you will, we also had to learn how to, you know, the, the, the parts of that country. So you'll see that we would learn about the United States, we'd learn about Texas and New York and California, Florida, uh, Guatemala, we'd learn about Guatemala City, etc. We had to learn the capitals of every single country in the world. That was a hard test. But we had to learn all those things. Things that are not that no longer are viable in the United States. And the United States used to be the bastion of showing you these things as well. But anyway, let me just put this picture on the screen for you. For those, to, for my brothers and sisters that don't get it. There is Afghanistan, okay? It is next to impossible for these guys that are very prim have primitive weapons, have weapons that we leave there that cannot swim, to get to America. So whenever they lie to you and tell you we fight them over there so we don't have to fight them over here, remember what they're telling you. They're saying, you are not very smart. You don't know geography. You don't know these things. So we can lie to you at will. That is what the world looks like. Afghanistan is, I can't point to it, but Afghanistan is way yonder, right under Russia and, and, and next to China and Pakistan, that is where Afghanistan is. They can't get to us easily. They never did. Please remember, 9-11 wasn't planned there. That was the lie that they continue to tell. 9-11 wasn't planned there. 9-11 was planned in Florida. Well, not planned. They learned to fly their planes in Florida. We, the American people taught these people how to fly planes and they flew those planes that we taught them how to fly into our buildings. That didn't happen in Afghanistan. So we would have been there fighting in Afghanistan as they were here learning how to, how to best destroy us. Let's stop being so gullible. Let's stop letting them flame us. Paul Fleming says, we learned geography in the U.S. as well when I was young, but it is not taught in the U.S., you know, it is amazing, right? It is amazing how things have changed. And they have changed for a reason. This was by design. The reason, exactly, we taught the Saudis. The reason they, look, Republican politicians and neoliberals want Americans to be not very smart. 
because a very smart American asked the questions that we asked in the, for, in, the, in the second piece we did. Why are we spending money to support corporations who take the money and transfer it to the investors, to the shareholders, and to the executives? Why are we going to put our hard-earned dollars there? Uh, they, they don't want you thinking. Please remember that. They don't want you thinking. And, you know, and that is the whole gist behind it all. We're getting close. We only have about four minutes. Let's see. Uh, Bridge MCP says we learned. No, no. Uh, uh, we, uh, let's see. Eric, why didn't you care much when we went for the lie? Exactly. All right. Let's see what else we got here from uh, Eric says. Rudnan, how humane is that others get killed in surrounding areas by American weapons? Whoa. Worry about if you are affected by good humane thinking and very selfish. No, 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 no. That's, you're, you're moving the post. We went to Iraq, uh, we went to Afghanistan, not to protect the people around Af Afghanistan. They can protect themselves. They're right there. The pretext for Afghanistan was to protect the United States of America. That was the lie. And that is all Michael Rudnan is alluding to. And Michael Rudnan is absolutely correct. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Michael Rennie says the overwhelming majority of Americans who are still in Afghanistan fall in three groups. U.S. government employees. I, 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 I read that a, couple, a few ago. Uh, you move the post every freaking day. No, we don't. Our post is always the same. We believe in humanity. Republican politicians believe in the mighty dollar and they don't care about people, not even those who support them. Michael Eric Hayes, they don't care about you. They have no care about you or your family or your kids. And you know who know about it? Most of your family does. Think about it. Rudnan says, Egberto, that's a Mercator map. It's a bad choice. It's a bad, you're right. It's a bad choice because it makes Africa look a lot smaller than it is relative to the United States. But it was a fast map for me to pick up, uh, <laughs> Michael. But you know what? Again, it is so amazing to have very smart people. I put a map out there and he sees the map and he says, wait a minute. America looks very big relative to Africa. What's wrong with you, Egberto? How dare you put a map like that up? That's what I get for having smart, smart people watching my programs. Has Rudnan and you been to Afghanistan? How would you know what's about the groups they are over there? Because we have informed, trusted sources. That's why. We have sources that are informed that we trust because they have earned our trust. Now, the people that have earned your trust, Brother Hayes, have made you look pretty bad because they've loaded you up with a lot of false information. And every time you send me a, a, a little text that I have to swat away because it's bad information, because it's poor information, it makes you look not very good. But I love you, but you don't look very good when you repost those things that are very, 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 very bad. Okay, anyhow, let's get back to uh, the program. We're actually at the end of the program. So uh, Michael Rennes says, not how dare, just that there's a better choices for accuracy and for making the top of the map look bigger than <laughs> the bottom. Actually, it's the other way around. The bottom needs to look bigger because Africa is a lot bigger than it shows. If you live in the U.S. and have never been in a war and your reaction to 9-11 were devastating, remember other countries live that daily. Bridge MCP, thank you for being 
That is what I like about empathy. There are some of us that are so empathetic that we get it. Look, we're at the end of the show. My name is Egberto. First of all, before I go, please, folks, please click that join button to become a part of the PDR Posse on YouTube. I really need your support so that we can provide and continue to do this. Alternatively, please go ahead and find any form of support at our link, which is politicsandright.com slash support, politicsandright.com support. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, says Paul Fleming Sr. You're absolutely right, sir. Anyway, Biden's hope the Afghan thing goes way away, but it won't. It will, actually. It will. Americans don't care about Afghanistan. By the time we get into infrastructure and how things are going to work for people, it'll be fine. Uh, Egberto, yes, I said it backward. That's fine. Eric Hayes, later. All right, folks, look, my name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.